Here is the host of Jeopardy, Alex Trebek. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. On behalf of all of us, welcome to America's favorite answer and question game, Jeopardy. Welcome back to Disney Marvels for a week of November 15th, 2020. This is episode 109, Disney Marvels, the show about Disney, Marvel, Lucasfilm, Muppets, Pixar, 20th Century, the parks, and much, much more. If it has to do with Disney, it's fair game. I'm your host, Matthew Graken. So, I put a poll out there asking you guys what you thought of the current season of The Mandalorian. Season 2 of The Mandalorian. 50% of you said it was amazing. 10% said it was good. The one that shocked me, though, a little bit was that 40% said you weren't quite sure yet. You weren't sure yet on how the season was going. Now, this was after... Well, no, I guess see, episode 3 had played at this point. Episode 3 had played at this point, which I will be talking to... Uh, we'll be talking this week about on the show. And But nobody said it was eh. No one did, are disliking it. Some of you, just the jury's still out on, which makes sense. It's early. But most of you seem to really be enjoying it. I'm really enjoying it. And I'll bring you more discussions about it as the show goes on. We are almost halfway through. Isn't that scary? And, uh, yeah. So, got some good stuff going on there. And I would be amiss not to mention that it's Mickey's birthday. Actually, today, the day the episode drops. Happy birthday, Mickey and Minnie. And many, many more. We'll be back after these brief messages from our friends and sponsors. Hey, Matthew. Jim Hill here. I do the Marvelous Disney Podcast with Aaron Adams over at the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. I know, I know. Very humble-sounding name. Uh, anyway, I really enjoy what you've been doing over on the Disney Marvels podcast. Uh, but as you probably already noticed, the Marvel Us Disney and the Disney Marvels podcast names are very, very similar. Which is why I imagine I keep getting mail for you. Um, that's actually why I'm calling today. I wanted to know what you'd like me to do with all of these Yankee Candle catalogs. Uh, so uh, please get back to me. Uh, oh, and uh, keep up the great work with the Disney Marvels podcast. Thank you for those kind words, Jim. And make sure to check out Jim Hill on the Marvel Us Disney podcast with Aaron Adams to find out all sorts of wonderful things about Disney, well, Marvel uh, particularly, what's going on with them. And Jim, uh, those catalogs, I'll make sure to give you the forwarding address. And uh, unless if you want to order something, go right ahead. And once again, make sure to check out Marvel Us Disney with Jim Hill and Aaron Adams, wherever you find or listen to your podcasts. And now, on with the show. Oh, the earth is filled with beauty, and it's gathered all together in the form and face and dainty grace of a pretty Irish girl. As everyone says, it's 2020, so that what does that mean? It means, well, things just keep happening. Either good, or most likely not good. 
with just the backlog of episodes and everything that I've been recording, we, we, I need to catch up on some stuff. Um, and to help me catch up with everything, I brought in a man who was a genius and a scholar, but then he had to leave. So I got somebody else to come. <laughs> Saw that coming. <laughs> he went over the episode list and then realized who he was working with and, and ran away. <laughs> so I pulled in. Someone that unfortunately has not been on this show for way too long. Matt Leonard is back in the studios with us. Well, on his end of the screen, because, well, it is 2020 and we, we do quarantine whenever we're doing these episodes because the government told us we have to spend 14 days away from each other whenever, because podcasting is a uh, dangerous aspect. Yeah, but so, you and I have been told, you and I were told to stay away from each other long before the quarantine started. But well, this is true. safer for everybody if you and I were, were separated somehow. Yes, our, our job tried to do that many times, and it never worked out the best for anybody. But, uh, Matt, yeah, welcome back. It's been uh, well, too long since we've had you on the show. It has. Especially since just the two of us. Just the two of us, yeah. It's a very last intimate time. show tonight. Yeah, last time we had a couple of puppeteers with us. Um, yeah, this one, uh, this one's got uh, we got a number of um, ends to tie up. Uh, some good, some bad, and some sad. Yeah. Uh, so, so, what do you want to talk about first? Let's go chronologically. Um, I, let's talk about the um, Sean Connery. Let's talk about Sir Connery. Yeah, uh, very sad news, but it, you know what? Ninety years old. Born yeah, I mean, was... and what a life he, what a life he had, what a career. Yeah, um, you know, born nineteen, uh, born August twenty fifth, nineteen thirty, passed August uh, October thirty first this year, so ninety years old. Uh, Scottish guy, born uh, Fountain Bridge, Edinburgh. To his mother was a, the cleaning woman. I mean, cleaning lady. Uh, Steve Martin reference there, and uh, his father, a factory worker. And then, I'm sorry, I'm gonna, I'm interrupting you. When, when year was he knighted? Was it 90? He's a good question. You know what? I have to say, I haven't been that diligent in my research on these things today. Oh, sorry, that's okay. We should, we should, these are the kinds of things we should talk about before the show. If I haven't been so busy trying to keep up with what's going on in my, my work situation, I would keep up the... Instead, it's the, all the nonsense that I've been... Sorry. Sean Connery was knighted... Connery was knighted by the Queen 5th of July, 2000. Oh, oh 2000, really? I thought it was earlier. I could have sworn it was earlier than that. Yeah, I thought it was like 95 at least. Yeah, ceremony at Holly Road Palace in Edinburgh the 5th of July of 2000. Yeah, wow. He only had the he only had the one son too. He only had one son? Neil. Uh no, Neil was his brother uh Jason. Oh, I I didn't even know he had children. I'm not well, that's surprised that's who um, released it to the press, too. Uh, so, uh, so we, sorry, we're, we're wandering a bit. You, James Bond. Yeah. 
Well, before Bond, he actually worked in one of his first uh, big roles in the film was through uh, Disney with uh, Darby O'Gill uh, Darby Darby and the Little, Little People. People, where you will have Sean Connery singing. That's right. And then it was just a couple years later, he, w- he was um, tapped for the role of the as the first James Bond. Bond. James Bond. And then it was all downhill from there. Yeah. I mean, you, you never catch a break. Yeah. And, and then he was, well, um, he had a whole bunch. He was, uh, what was Dragon, what was that movie with, with Randy Quinn? Dragon Mask? Dragon Heart? Dragon Heart. Dragon Heart, yep. Where he was the voice of the dragon. I remember see, going to see that in the theaters. And then League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which we probably shouldn't talk about, the Avengers. Yeah. Not not Captain America and Iron Man Avengers, but the the 90, I think it was 97, 98, where he did the one with... It, it's the the British spy show Avengers. Yeah, it was, it was a it, film it, based on that with Ray Liotta and... Uma Thurman. Uh, Uma Thurman was Emma Peel, and yep. Ray Liotta. Not was it, no, was it, no. No. Ray Fines. Ray Fines. Yes. Ralph, Ralph Fines. Ralph. I'll get Ralph this. Fiennes. Voldemort. Gosh, why do you have me on this show? Oh, sorry. Because the ratings love you. <laughs> You're very popular in England. I'm sure. <laughs> Ralph Fiennes and and Uma Thurman and then Sean Connery, which is another Sean Connery movie. Prob we probably shouldn't talk about because that's. Mm. Have you seen it? Uh, I've I've seen the originals. Yeah. Okay. I my I, I haven't seen the modern the cinematic um my on my now wife. Uh, she wasn't my wife. We were dating at the time, but we went because we were in college. Um. Boy, this sentence was terrible. Um, not as bad as the movie, though. We went and saw that. Or I remember going to see that at a at a, a theater here in Connecticut back in college, and we both just walked out, and it was probably one of the most painful ninety minutes of film we had ever sat through. It was it was truly awful. It was not a high point in in Mr. Connery's careers, but. So let's talk about rather than talk now that I've mentioned all of the two horrible movies that he made, which were um, Avengers and then League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which was also pretty terrible. Um, let's let's talk about actually. Can we talk about one of my favorite Sean Connery roles? Which one would that be? I that would be uh, that would be Indiana. That would be Henry Jones Senior. Which yes. was my introduction to that was I think the first Sean Connery movie that I ever saw and oh, absolutely I got into Sean Connery on the later end, not even I, The Rock, yeah. and I absolutely fell in love with him in that movie because he's so he's so everything in that movie he's so I mean it's it's there's a, a tenderness and a warmth to Henry he does his his comedy in that is just unpeckable his timing in that is uh, 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 impeccable timing very funny lines very funny scenes and of course he's still kind of james bond under all of that his chemistry with harrison ford um even his chemistry with uh, with denim elliott in the few scenes that they have together or his chemistry with the i can't remember the the actress who plays um 
Elsa in that, you know, you 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 believe that certainly they could have done the things that are hinted at that they do. Him and Ford play so well off each other. It, yes. It's, there's such a natural chemistry between the two of them that it was a shame that they couldn't bring him back for the, the fifth one that I think in so many ways would have just just really worked well. Um, and, and there's there's good reasons because he, he was retired at that point. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, he uh, he he really it was a str- I think a strong movie before on its own and then you bring that combination that relationship that's something you'd never explored before in those movies and having connery uh um just his portrayal of the father and just the the way he's able to deliver the lines um just works so so well uh that it, it just it really it gives that movie another level that the other Indiana Jones movies uh, didn't have and haven't had to this point. Yeah, sorry, I've got there's a windstorm where I am and lights are flickering, so I'm a little if I if I suddenly disappear from this conversation, you'll know why. Um, that's, that's kind of been the issue I've been having most of the night. I keep on waiting for the the lights to go out. All right. So trying to think, what was I? I was distracted. You can edit this part of the show out. I'm sure where we can talk about my lights. But yeah, no. Uh, let me start that again. The clean cut. Yeah, uh, he and he and uh, uh, Harrison Ford. And of course, they've got great material to work with. You know, the, with the writing in that is, uh, it's a very well written chemistry too. It's all there on the paper. To start with, and when you have two really good actors uh, delivering that kind of really good material, you're gonna have a you're gonna have you're gonna end up with a great film at the end. Yeah, and I yeah. and they said I know Steven Spielberg uh, at least has said this. I believe George Lucas has said this too that when they were planning Indy and or when they were planning Last Crusade and they knew. Um, the, oh, that's going to be about Indy, Indy and his father, the relationship between Indy and his father. The conversation was something along the lines of, you know, Indiana Jones was always meant to be sort of a modern day. It was it was Spielberg and Lucas trying to do James Bond in their own way. They, they wanted the American James like Bond. Bond. Yeah, they want. Yeah, it was an American James Bond. So when it came to um, who should play Indiana Jones's father as far as they were concerned, the only person who could play Indy's father was James Bond. And that's how Sean Connery got cast. And and I'm so glad that they got him and that he was able to do it because uh, I think it introduced him. To, I'm, I'm sure I'm not alone in that, that sentiment that, you know, uh, that was my introduction to, to Sean Connery. And uh, again, what a, what a great, what a great character and what a great film. Yeah, like I said, they they tried, they begged, they begged him to come back for Crystal Skull, but um, like you said, he he was retired and he was not coming. He, there was nothing that was going to make him come out of that. Yeah, and I think, and you know, to sort of turn the conversation back to what I was saying, I know the last two films that he did had been The Avengers and League. Of, I think they were like the last two films that he did. I know League of Extra- Extraordinary Gentlemen was the last. 
Um, and I think Avengers, there might be one more in between. But I, I don't think he had good experiences on either of those films. No. It was kind of it was kind of a time if you look at that, you either had you, you, there was a sort of there were films that were really good, and there was this like garbage that was kind of riding on the coattails of all the really good stuff. Uh, and I know that with League of like, there was. Um, he was asked about League of Extraordinary, like, what made you want to take this film? And he said um, he was offered, what was he offered? He was offered La part in, like, Star Wars, and he read the script, and he didn't understand it, and he turned it down. And then he was offered a part in, like, Lord of the Rings, or it was, it was Lord of the Rings and Pirates of the Caribbean, or, like, Star Wars and Lord of the Rings, two of that. He was offered, like, two films that were, like, really, really huge successes, and he read the script and he didn't understand them and he put them aside and he turned them down. And then he read League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. And he said, well, I don't understand this, but I've already turned down these other two films. And maybe I should try one of these films that I don't understand. And, and well, what he ended up, you, we know yeah. what he ended up with. And, and I don't think he had a good experience on either of those films. And that's kind of the, yeah, Which, the, the inclination but, that... Yeah, after those movies, and he, I think he also was getting tired of, or Michael Caine was suggesting that he was kind of getting tired of being, now becoming the the old man character, right? In the the films, I mean, you, you talk about someone that was given the award of the sexiest man alive for the century award by some publication, um, and now it's just like. You know, he, he always played the, the smooth Debeer type of character for almost the majority of his career. And then all of a sudden you're starting to get into this other aspect of yeah. an, an aged character. And I don't think that sat too kindly with him, unfortunately. Uh, it, it, you know, and who can blame him? I mean, it, it's that's not the acting he wanted to do. Right. So what do you do? You hang it up. I'm tired. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, he has such a catalog of, of, well, just tons of movies of, of all different sorts. Yeah. Um, that, you know, uh, like I said, the rock, uh, that he did, uh, untouchables, another one. Oh yeah. I forgot about untouchables hunt for red October. Uh, oh yeah. Hunt for red October, which he was again, fantastic. in. Um, I've seen. I've never. Untouchables is one of those ones that I've never seen, and I keep meaning to watch. Yeah, it's um, he he again. It's I mean, yeah, it's uh, uh what's the the guy's name? Um, Mike Malone was the character that he played. No actor that he um. Uh, the actor that's uh, across from him. Uh, is it Kevin Costner? No. Yes. yes. Thank, you. Thank you. Kevin Costner is the star of it, but again, Connery carrying the film. Yeah. Um, and, and just again brings in so much more emotion and just extra stuff to it. Uh, <laughs> I always find it funny. And you, then, interestingly enough, this is a little side note that that. I don't know if this piece of trivia is interesting or not. After the Untouchables film, because there there was 
there was an Untouchables TV series in like the 60s because mm-hmm. it's all based on it's all largely based on uh, uh, on Al Capone and and the feds trying to take down Al Capone in the 20s, which apparently made for a good drama TV series in like the 1960s and then the movie in the 80s. And then because of the success of the movie in the early 90s, there was the new one, like the all new Untouchables. And it was basically kind of a rehash. It was all of that stuff, but now, again, just done as a TV series, um, basically kind of telling the same story and hitting the same plot lines, but but in, in a different medium. And the only reason I bring this up uh, is because playing the part of Mike Malone in the the second Untouchables TV series was John Rice, Mr. John Rice Davies, uh, yeah. who played, of course, Sala. In the uh, in the Indiana, Indiana Jones, Jones series, and so played yeah. played across from Sean Connery in that. So how's that for? I don't know if the two of them ever spoke of the role or ever talked about it, but again, and I, I say Marvel keeps on missing miss the uh, mark whenever you had um, Robert Downey Jr. and Benedict Cumberbatch together on set, and they did not make a Sherlock Holmes reference. A Sherlock Holmes reference. <laughs> um. Yeah, and he, uh, Connery also did High. Uh, he was in Highlander. Oh yeah, of course, of course. There can be only one. Yeah, Time Bandits, Outland. I always forget that he's in Time because he's. It's just a. It's a. It's a bit part in Time Bandits, right? Yeah. Yeah, similar to uh, uh, Robin Hood. Yep. He shows he's, up as the king in Robin Hood. He's got that great. He shows up at the end as the king, as King Richard. Another Connery. Um, Connery. Hello. Yes, of course he's Connery. No. Uh, <laughs> why can't I remember his name? What are you, I, I haven't added up to drink today. I don't know. I don't even know what you're talking about. Oh, Kevin Costner. Yeah, another Sorry, Kevin Costner movie. Yes, he was another. Yes, yes. Yeah, pass that. Pass that by that one. Um, you know, I, I was going to say before I find it funny that you know. He played James Bond, and James Bond was always against the the Russians and everything like that. Where in Hunt for October, he plays a Russian. He plays a Russian. But just just the the length of movies that he's he's been in, and and you know, Murder of the Orient Express seventy four, nineteen seventy four. Um, just just so much. I mean, mo- best known for the the James Bond and uh, just the one role, but. Again, just so impactful of Henry uh, Henry Jones Sr. Um, in Last Crusade. That it just, even though he hasn't been making movies for a while, it's still it's still going to be missed on the on the screen. And uh, just a fantastic fantastic actor. And um, yeah, um, the other one I bring up is uh, Alex Trebek. Uh, we go from Scotland to Canada. Uh, you know, every, most people I know, you know, majority work Jeopardy, where he holds the Guinness World Record for most game show episodes by of the single person, single host of over six thousand. Wow, and that was in two thousand fourteen. Oh wow, yeah. It was like six thousand four hundred. So it's some like really crazy. So I wonder what the. I'm actually wondering what the final count in terms of 
uh, how many episodes of, of, of Jeopardy he was on. Yeah, I, I don't. Or how many that. episodes of Al, uh, how many episodes of Jeopardy there have been? Yeah, because he started up on the the reboot of it, the simulcast. Um, eight thousand. Is that what IMDb is telling me? Eight thousand two hundred eighteen episodes. Wow. Eight thousand two hundred eighteen episodes. My God. And that's probably a, mi- a mixture of Jeopardy, uh, Teen Jeopardy, uh, Senior Jeopardy, and Celebrity Jeopardy. He he wasn't involved in the Sports Jeopardy. Um, yeah, I, don't, I don't even remember there. I didn't know there was a Sports Jeopardy. Yeah, neither did I. So I stumbled upon it at some point. Um, not not really the same. Um, but yeah, it's um, you know, it was it was actually Trebek's idea to segment them that way so you got regular jeopardy okay we're going to do a special one just for the teens then we got another one for seniors and we just got a separate one for the celebrities to just kind of just spin them off that way we should we should just to double back just to sort of jump off of that and double the conversation back a little bit if we're going to talk about alex trebek and sean connery and we're going to say the word celebrity jeopardy (laughs) oh geez we should talk about how Apparently, uh, Alex Trebek loved those and did not have any problem. I don't know how Sean Connery felt about it, but <laughs> Alex Trebek thought it was funny. <laughs> and with good reason, because it was funny. <laughs> yeah. It was the recurring Saturday Night Live bit with Daryl Hammond as Sean Connery and Will Ferrell as a very beaten and abused Alex Trebek. Um certainly one of the funniest funnier sketches of saturday night live in the last 20 years um and i you know i think i thought it was sort of weird that there was we lost sean connery and then within four or five days of that we lost alex trebek and it sort of took once everybody kind of like wrapped their brains around it like once you kind of got sort of over alex you know like there was there was sort of like a two or three day mourning period and then suddenly somebody went Wait a second. We lost Alex Trebek and Sean Connery at the same thing. These two are connected. And you started to see the memes about, you know, we meet again, Trebek, or, you know, whatever else. And and I just thought it was sort of somehow a sort of wonderful poetic justice that the t- two men who whose careers had absolutely nothing nope. to do with each other. This very di- these two very divergent careers. And yet are linked by a comedy sketch. Uh, there's some poetic justice to that of losing both of them at the same time. Yeah, uh, you know, not really linked and yet kind of linked in that way. I, I think there's something wonderfully poetic about that. But sorry, we were we, let's going back to the world of reality. We should give Alex Trebek some. Uh, but he 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 thought they were funny. Um, yeah, uh, I, I mean it. If you look at actually his um, appearances, everyone knows him for Jeopardy, but he's done a lot, lot more. I mean, he appeared on um, on the X Files as a guest host. He was in Spy Hard, Charlie's Angels. Really? He even showed up in uh, Scooby Doo and uh, The what? Simpsons. Yeah. Simpsons doesn't surprise me. What's what Scooby Doo was he in? Uh, newest one, Scooby Doo. Guess who? 
Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort As of, himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot that that was a thing. That's sort of, I'd like that's to forget the, that's a thing. That's sort of the remake of Scooby-Doo at the movies, where it's Scooby and the gang and, like, some modern-day guest star like Alex Trebek or... Um, I'm trying to remember who... They've had a couple others, but it's not important. Um, but yeah, 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 okay. Simpsons doesn't surprise me. Seinfeld, the Magic School Cheers. Bus. Magic School Bus, he was uh, an announcer. Really? Yeah. Huh, I'll have to, I'll have to look that up. Yeah, in the, the original Cheers. Magic School Bus. He was in Cheers. Yeah, he showed up on Cheers, he Dave's that, World. That's a great episode. Do you remember that? <sighs> yes. Yes, Cliff yes. Clavin, Cliff Clavin is, gets, he follows his dream. And I don't, I don't three men remember, who ne- like, never been in my kitchen. Three people have what's like it's like three like physicists or something. And Cliff Clavin, Cliff answers, "Who are three people who've never been in Ma's kitchen?" No, they've never been in Ma's kitchen. You're a fraud, Trebek. You're not a... It's the greatest. And then was it? I think Norm or somebody pays Trebek pays off at the off. end right, to, right, right, right. To, to apologize to Cliff. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, that's that's great television right there. Well, he's Canadian. You know, he can take himself so seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he actually, he started off as a news broadcaster. Broadcaster. Wasn't he like a hockey announcer or something? Uh, maybe I just saw that he was a news broadcaster for CBC, but, um, then he started off, he did a game show for them called reach for the top. That's in 66, 73. He was almost specifically like, he was almost specifically like a hockey broadcaster. Could have been. I I can see that. I mean, it's Canada. Yeah. So, but, uh, but I think he, he had, he had a wonderful humanity. Uh, he had sort of a wonderful humanity to him and a wonderful sensibility. Um, I think he sort of, I think he saw, brought calm grace to television. Not brought calm grace, but he was, he was sort of, sort of a calm presence and, and an intellectual presence. He, he sort of raised, there's so much television. There's so much television. I mean, like probably 95% of television is such, um, um, nice words. What? Said <laughs> nice words. Nice words. Yeah, I know. It, 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 there, there's so much sort of junk food in television. I think is yes. the best way to phrase that. There's a lot, and I, mean, and I mean, don't get me wrong. I like me a good McDonald's burger. Um, you know, I like a good episode of Cheers. But there's so much junk food out there uh, in terms of television content, and to have that sort of haven where intelligence is celebrated and respected and honored and and to have that and to sort of run that for as long as he did the fact that it has become this kind of american institution um man that's that's a real legacy to leave behind what a, what a gift to the world what a gift to the world of to what a gift to the world of television and what a gift to to us and and you know, look, 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 pick, pick any game show, literally any game show 
um, you're not going to find anything that's got that level of decency and intelligence and humanity to it. And uh, no, the closest thing you can kind of come to is its counterpart of Wheel of Fortune, but you don't have the same intellect in that. Right. I mean, well, there's, there was a comedian. There was a comedian. Uh, I don't even remember who it was who said this. I just remember hearing this. Uh, and he was going on about, he's like, you know, what What brilliant network executive put Wheel of Fortune, who put Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy next to each other on television? Because you'd have these guys, you'd have the contestants and it'd be like, this is on Jeopardy. It'd be like, you have the contestants. This is Dave. He does brain surgery for in his spare time. You know, his, his hobbies include brain surgery and crossword puzzles. And then you'd go over like, and, you know, here we are on Wheel of Fortune. This is uh, Gary. He's into shiny things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he mucks, uh, he mucks pawns for a living. He likes, that, he likes I mean, shiny that's a genius. Uh, um, oh, it, 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 there is the connection because it's the same producer that came up with them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, well, strangely enough, actually the, the year before Alex did Jeopardy, he's subbed in on the daytime wheel of fortune oh, before he? it was a syndicated primetime show. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's like you said, will Jeopardy is like a safe haven because unlike so many game shows, he doesn't talk down to the audience, the audience, uh, the, the participants, the participants don't have to belittle themselves in any sort of way. They don't have to make fools of themselves. They don't have to, uh, you know, or get talked down to, or just, you know, or do something stupid. It is, you know, if they get something wrong, it's just that same, Oh, I'm sorry. It was this. Yeah. 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 Um, it, it it's, <sighs> Like you said, it's like he takes it to a higher level, and it be and just and to prove the point that this works is because they did it for over eight thousand episodes. Name another game show besides Wheel of Fortune that has been able to do that. Price is Right yeah. is the only other thing that I could think of that's been around that long. But and, no, but again, not in the not in that way that brings in intellect and and uh um, no. you know uh, that level of dignity to television correct and i think that's why it's always been such a staple it's i mean yes is something that you usually discover when you're older and how much you you appreciate it more when you're older but even as a kid i i liked it as a kid i again appreciate it more now as a, as, as an, an older, older because you can answer the questions. I remember. I can answer some of the questions. Some of the questions. Who are three people who've never been in your kitchen? That's, like, that's been answered to most of them. <laughs> um, I remember. I remember when I was little. It, it sort of broke my brain the idea that all of the answers were questions and all of the questions were answers. Like I couldn't. I remember it sort of like what being whatever it was six, yeah. six seven years old and just thinking, what is this voodoo? <laughs> What do, you, what do you mean all the answers are questions and all the questions are answers? That doesn't make any sense. But but to, to jump, the, again, jump the conversation back a little, uh, we were talking about this, uh, uh, the level of dignity that, that Alex Trebek brought to television. And when you look at um, 
the the celebrity Jeopardy sketch on Saturday Night Live, that's really kind of what that sketch is about at its heart. It's about no matter how stupid and idiotic the answers get, the Alex Trebek or Will Ferrell as Alex Trebek still sort of plays that same kind of dignity, and it's that dignity. It, 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 not really, I don't want to say mocking, but sort of in in its own sort of very silly way, celebrating um, Alex Trebek's dignity and that dignity that he brought to television. Because it, it, no matter how again how stupid the answers get, he maintains that. Yeah. The, the, the Alex Trebek character, even the Alex Trebek character, maintains that no matter how idiotic or in the case of, of uh, Daryl Hammond's Sean Connery, how insulting some of the answers get or offensive some of the answers get. Um, yeah. You know, and, and I think that's, that's really when you look back at those sketches, what makes them so funny is also is because, because there's a truth to it. It's, it's no matter how ridiculous it might have gotten or if it ever got ridiculous, Alex Trebek never lost that level of, of, you know, he was he was always in control of it, and he was always sort of calm in the face of it. And uh, not that not that really Jeopardy was the spiciest thing on television ever, but you know, it was sort of what what it was what he brought not only to Jeopardy but what he brought to television. There's no Maury Povich, but yes, yeah, no, <laughs> no <of laughs> thank goodness not. for that. Yeah, and in the uh, even in what. Um, his time, uh, he, he was in a Disney World attraction, uh, Ellen's Energy Adventure, playing himself play, on Jeopardy. She was like, oh, is this the nightmare version of it? And, and you know, he, he still, again, had that nice demeanor about it, delivering the lines. And it just, it played into so well. And it's one, one of the few times that you'd see Ellen, Alex Trebek, and Bill Nye, the science guy, <laughs> together in the same thing. You know, sorry, again, going back to it, I was just thinking that we were talking about the Cheers episode and what makes that scene so funny is, again, this idea that here is a stupid answer to the question or a stupid question to the answer because it's Jeopardy. You know, who are three people who've never been in my kitchen, which is technically correct. And, and, and Cliff stands by that and is yelling insults at Alex Trebek and carrying on and having this temper tantrum on national television. And yet Alex Trebek still goes on being Alex Trebek, you know, and it's funny because you know that if that happened on Jeopardy, that's what, that's exactly what would happen. That's he would just sort of carry on and keep that, you know, that's what makes that scene funny is that, that level of truth to it. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I mean, I, and I'm sure I'm not the only one that thinks that, this but he shaved his mustache in 2000 in the 2000 2001 season of jeopardy to this day the only way is even if i see him physically without his mustache i still see the mustache there it takes you a minute to real yeah 30 I years yes wait 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 i'm now thinking he's what is he he's the he was the spokesman for something yes what was he the spokesman for world vision Maybe. What was he? Oh, gosh. Something. 
he was a spokesman for a couple of things, but AARP also. That's what I'm, I think. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah, he did a few things. Yeah. Um, well, because he kind of, you know, he was a sort of most trusted man on television. Really? Colonial Pen. I think AARP is the one that I was thinking of because there was, I knew there was like a major one. Yeah, Colonial Pen was another one, but I think AARP was one of them. Um, those are the main ones that come up. Life insurance. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Maybe that's what. I, maybe that's the one I was. Colonial Pen Life Insurance. Which, you know, was smart, because, you know, you can trust Alex Trebek. Absolutely. <sighs> so, again, another one that will be definitely missing. I mean, when I found out that, you know, what he was, when he was diagnosed with the cancer, um, particularly I think that's the, that pulled all of us over. I think that knocked all of us over. Yeah, the type of cancer he had, he just, yeah, you, you, you kind of hate to say, it, but you knew it was kind of a matter of time. Unfortunately, right. and I mean, he he fought it. You never saw him not keep, you know, hold up to his standards. Yeah, during that, and and just, uh, just heartbreaking. Yeah. I, was, I, I know what I was trying to say earlier when I was talking about garbage on television. I think there's so much television where stupidity is celebrated. Mm -hmm. And and um, and Jeopardy was like the one place where intelligence was celebrated. Always. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and good Lord, we need more of that. <laughs> Intelligence? Nope, sorry, we're all out of that today. Yep. Okay. What's that line for? Uh, Mrs. Doubtfire, I came to this place for in search for intelligent life. Oops, I seem to make a mistake. <laughs> yep, that sums it up. Moving right along. Moving right along. What you had got? some news that you were dropping on me before. I did. Which one do you want? I had like three. I've got them all lined up so I can like read. What do you want to talk about? Let's start with Darkwing. Let's, I needed something to pick me up. So we're talking about death. Let's let's move on to something a little more uh, uplifting. It was announced earlier this week that my computer will not let me scroll to see the story. So this is going to be like the worst part of the show that we've ever done. It was announced earlier this week that uh, that uh, Seth Rogen is developing a here we go uh, a Darkwing Duck reboot. For Disney Plus, no writer is currently attached to the program, but sources. This is off of uh, Variety, who broke the news. Uh, it will be executive produced by Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg, and James James Weaver and Alex Mekati of Point Grey Pictures. And then it goes on basically to kind of give a history. So it's it's very loose information right now. There is no idea. 
I, I'm assuming it will play off of and piggyback off of the Darkwing Duck character as introduced in the current DuckTales. Because it would be really weird to sort of introduce that character and then, like, introduce Darkwing Duck, like a completely different version of Darkwing Duck. That, right. uh, that would be completely different from the original version of Dark. It would get very confusing. We don't need, the world doesn't need three Darkwings. Um, but, uh, yes, apparently that's, that's a big thing that is in, in process at Darkwing, at, uh, for Disney Plus. And, of course, this is all, I'm trying to think, when was DuckTales was announced? 2015? Yes, about that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because I I actually remember I remember the day that was broken because I had like seven hundred people sending. Have you seen this? You heard about Ducktales? We know you're a huge Ducktales guy. And then and I remember like my son was like really little at the time, so he would have been he would have been less than a year. So it would have been 2015, and the show premiered in late 2017. So there was a good like two and a half year period. If we're hearing about Darkwing now. It might be a little bit faster because the character designs are all there. You're not, you're yeah, not I mean, starting for, from scratch in terms of casting and stuff, but but you're probably still at least two years out before you see that before we see that show. I would say it's probably about a good two years, um, taking longer to write this stuff. It's not like you know what Tad was telling me about how um, how they were. Uh, working out the the script tad and jim um said you know before for these things they were pumping out scripts like five a day yeah um having to just like mass produce it's like okay here's a here's a um someone goes to an ice cream shop run with it and just you know that that's kind of how it was before they're now they've taken it back and now they're really like trying to mold these things and um there's a lot more work uh gone into the, the development of them um yeah. and, and you know versus the early days of of these shows that uh yeah so that's why they they take a little longer um like the the ducktail seasons okay, well how come there's a break well because you know they're taking time to actually develop stories and then they have to animate the stories and record so there, there's a lot of i don't know if i don't know if dark will be list but certainly with ducktales the stories aren't as standalone. You know, the original DuckTales show was everything, everything stood on its own. You know, episode one had no connection to episode 25. And but in the original days, they, they actually wanted an arc, a okay. weekly arc. Really? Yeah. Um, was it, was it Jim or Tad? One of the two was would telling been, me that. Probably would have been Jim. That, uh, they wanted a, a weekly arc between the two, um, to go from yeah, I think it was probably Jim, um, from Monday to Friday. It wraps up on Friday's episode, and I, you know, initially, and that's kind of how the movie started out. Um, and then from there, kind of just like I think that's that you know they just took that and threw it into the uh, the boiler. Yeah. At that point, and um, but yeah, I think that was the original hope that they could do that kind of segmenting with it. Uh, like I said, obviously we know that that's not how it all played out, but, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, but, but there's so much more story arc involved in the, in the new series, um, which 
which is brilliant and interesting. And uh, yeah, between those two two guys, I got two very different answers on what they thought of the show. <laughs> they both wish it well. They both wish it well. For for whatever this is worth, uh, I know that Carl Barks was a fan of the original series, like up to a point. He he he's like, it's not my it's not my Uncle Scrooge, but it's it's darn good television. Um, you know, they took some liberties with it, and he he was kind of okay with that. And then as they got into some of the later episodes, with like Gizmo Duck and Bubba Duck, he's like, you know, it's a good show, but there are way too many characters. They, it was better when it was a smaller cast. That was that was the great Carl Barks's take on the show. Yeah, both Tad creations. Tad's so great. Oh, both, uh, yeah, he created both uh, Gizmo and uh, Bubba. And there was a. Sorry, I blind. There, there was, was a, a. There was, there was going to be a third one. Yeah, there was, was going to be an alien. One? What was the third one? It was going to be a space alien. Alien, right, right, right. Yeah, that, that got pushed to the side. Um, which I think is, which I think, you know, like I said, the cat, like it's Duckburg got a little crowded at that point, so that's not the worst. Yeah, because they were trading off. Okay, one episode is going to be Gizmo Duck, the other next one's Bubba. Back Bubba. to Gizmo Duck, back to get Bubba. It's like every other. And when episode. you start doing that, then you kind of lose, you know, Launchpad and Scrooge and Huey, Dewey and Louie and Webby, and and their stories kind of. Absolutely. But yeah, and, and like, um, don't get me wrong. I love I love me some Gizmo Duck, but the Gizmo Duck episodes are not as strong. And same for Bubba. The, the those episodes are not as strong as some of the earlier, more Barksian adventures that they had to. Like their their earlier episodes were like their their introductory ones. Yeah, I thought were, were pretty good. But then yeah, some of the it other ones small. just kind of got watered. It, it yeah, it was. They also the the the. the I think they changed animation houses too because the animation changes drastically. The characters become a the characters become a lot more elastic uh, when you get to the Gizmo Duck and Bubba yeah. Duck episodes. Uh, Dude, and it, that might maybe that was I, I could always I could uh, I could ask Jim this I could always find out. Um, he might have been off of it at that point too. Yeah, because that the, might maybe that was the point that they moved from Japan to France. That would do it. Because um, these things were being um, produced in Asia. Yeah. And at some point, they, they started up the studio in France, and they were, they were covering some of the work. Yeah. Okay. That, that, that would make sense. Or, yeah, there, there, is, there is a definite change in the style of anime. It's the same with, like, if you watch The Simpsons. There's, like, the first couple of seasons, and then it suddenly... The animation style just changes drastically because they move away from Klasky Scoopo, who was the original animation house. And then, yeah. uh, and I don't remember who it's been since then. Somebody else. But uh, yeah, the DuckTales has a, a change in animation. What were we talking about again? We were talking Dark about Darkwing Duck. How did we get duck. The terror that flaps in the night. I am the terror that flaps in the night. I am the sticky gum found on the bottom of your shoe. I am Darkwing Duck. duck. I have we, am have we told... out of smoke effect. How did I run out of the smoke effect? Well, I'm sure. Um, that, I'm sure we've, this story has been told. But the great, the great thing. Well, actually, this is interesting. It was that originally it was always the original idea 
was that it would it would be a catchphrase. It would always be, I'm the terror that flaps the night, I'm the winged scourge that pecks at your nightmares, I am Darkwing Duck. And that's what he would say each and every time he made an entrance. And then early on, they were writing a script where uh, Launchpad was filling in for him. And the idea was that Launchpad would come in and totally screw it up. And so he would it, it would be something like, I am, I am the, you know, bug on the windshield of justice or something. And they sat around, like the writers sat around, spitting these things back and forth at each other, trying to find, and they were like, which one is the funniest? And they were all funny, and they're like, this is what it should be. Every time Darkwing comes in, he should say, it should always be, I am the terror that flaps in the night, I am, and we and they would just fill in something different each week. And, and Whatever so that, goes with the scenario. That idea was jettisoned, and then Jim Cummings tells the story about, because he would sometimes ad-lib them, he tells the story about, uh, uh, doing the read through one doing the record and he's he's doing the thing and he's reading through and he turns and he goes i am the terror that flaps in the night and he turns the page and it says doesn't matter what i write here jim will come up with something funnier <laughs> <laughs> that's excellent <laughs> it Ted didn't tell me that part <laughs> no that's a that's a jim cummings story you gotta get jim cummings to tell you that story so I, I, I'm working on that. Yes. So uh, since we're since we're in the realm of Darkwing, should we jump over to the other piece of news that I have? Do it. The other one that we were talking about. Do it. Since we're talking about Disney, this is a couple of weeks ago, uh, and I'm pulling this. Uh, this it was reported in a couple of places, but the web page I'm looking at right now is inside the Magic Live Action Chippendale Rescue Rangers movie coming to Disney Plus. Um, I'm just sort of to the attention. Uh, okay, so this the original source for this was the Dish Insider. I'm sorry, the Diz Insider, uh, exclusive to Disney Plus. The rumor currently is that Tress McNeil, Corey Burton, and Jim Cummings, who we were just talking about, will play the roles of uh, Chip, Gadget, Dale, and Monterey Jack, respectively. Um, that's Tress McNeil as Chip and Gadget, not Corey Burton as Gadget and Dale, just so I'm clear on that, uh, because that would be weird. Yep. Um, but no, Tress McNeil as Chip and Gadget, as Chip and, uh, Gadget Hackwrench, Corey Burton as Dale, and Jim Cummings as Monterey Jack, and then we would certainly hope Fat Cat. Uh, it is being written by the writing team behind the hit show How I Met Your Mother, and directed by Akiva Schaefer of The Lonely Island fame. What's the Lonely Island? Do you have any? I've never heard of that. I can't say I am familiar with it either. But then again, I don't pay much attention to much modern television. Okay. I would even assume that's a television show. All right. And we would certainly hope that. And it's so it's going to be live action. Uh, I don't know. What are your. I, I'm curious because they've been talking about doing a, a Rescue Rangers movie for years. Yeah. This rumor years ago. I'm even finding reports of this. Um, that they were doing a CG hybrid adaption of it. Yeah, um, this surfaced about five years ago. It started in development about five years ago, and then kind of got shelved. And it it kind of comes up. Well, even back in the eighties, this was going to be this was going to be the follow up to Ducktales: Treasure of the Lost Lamp was going to be yes. a Rescue Rangers movie, and then that didn't do as well as they expected it to, and so that was it, Rescue Rangers was shelved the first time. We got the Goofy movie instead, which is a wonderful piece, little piece of cinema. We've talked about that on the show before. 
Incidentally, happy belated birthday to Jim, uh, no, not Jim Farmer, Bill Farmer. His birthday was yesterday, or today, something like that. Yesterday, I think, was Bill Farmer's birthday. And and once again, I've derailed the conversation with myself. Um, And and then about five years ago, it was like, we're going to do a Rescue Rangers movie, and then that never happened, and now here we are again. I think now that they don't have to worry about uh, it, it, it's such a thing now since you don't have to worry about uh, you, we, what you and I were talking about before the before we started recording is that idea of when you do a movie there's so if you do a cinematic release there's so much on the line there's so much money that goes into promoting it and marketing it there's so much money that goes into making it there's so much that's involved and if you if it doesn't make that you know, it's problematic. Whereas with Disney Plus, you've already made your money on it, kind of. You know, it's pretty it's, much. Nobody nobody is gonna be flocking. It's not like they're gonna do a Rescue Rangers movie and suddenly everybody's gonna uh, you know the rest of the world that doesn't have Disney Plus is suddenly gonna get Disney Plus because there's a Rescue Rangers movie. But if you make a Rescue Rangers movie, all of your Disney Plus subscribers who like the Disney Afternoon are going to go, yeah, I'll keep, I'll, you guys can keep my seventy bucks for that. I'll, I'll pay the, I'll pay the thing for that. I'll yeah. continue being a member. You have a built-in audience. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're not trying to fish out an audience, and you also have, and we were talking about the time frame of having to time things out. You kind of have, and I don't think they fully realize this yet on on making stuff for Disney Plus yet or a lot of these other streaming things. You don't have to stick to the form formula time, right? If you there make something like, you know, like it doesn't an animated even... movie is ninety minutes. What if you make it eighty minutes? Yeah, yeah. Or what yeah. if you make it? Well, look, at, look at the Mandalorian. I was shocked when I turned on. Like, oh, this is. 42 minutes is an episode of the Mandalorian. I'm like, Oh, okay. You know? And then the next week was 33 minutes. 35, or like yeah. That. yeah. And it, it, it fluctuates. It, it does not, it doesn't have to conform to the 25 minute um, time or 23 minutes. I think it is now uh, yeah. timing of a half hour television show on TV. It can just, Whatever time we need to tell this story is the time we will the take. The time you take to tell it, and and it gives you, I think it gives your your filmmakers a lot more room and uh, a, a lot more breathing space too, that they don't have to tell it in that amount of time. So if they if they put in an extra scene, because you always see it, in the, the, the you watch a deleted scene from like Star Wars or something, and you're like, well, that would have been useful, you know? <laughs> Why did you take that out? Why are you taking this out? But because we had to cut it because. Like you know, you hear the the Avengers. Well, the, the original the Marvel's Avengers, uh, Avengers Assemble movie, um, the, whatever the yeah you know, the 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 one that came out that made a couple dollars for uh, Marvel. They uh, the one with the one with uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans. Yeah, Avengers. only a couple people not went to go one, see that. Not the Avengers with Sean Connery and Uma Thurman and Ray Font, Ralph Fiennes. Bingo. <laughs> Just yeah, so I, I, we're clear. Yeah, go go back a few episodes. We explain what you know why in England uh, that movie has a different title. Um, <laughs> Earth's Mightiest Heroes had to be added on there because of the them. The uh, anyway, I um, never made that connection. Of course, 
yeah, they they had to put the subtitle in in England to make sure people realize this isn't this isn't the Emma Avengers. Peel. Oh, yes. this is the Avengers, not the Avengers. Avengers. Oh, you learn something when you listen to this show. You learn something when you're on this show. Everybody, it's like Jeopardy here, but with us. And I don't have a mustache, and I'm definitely not Alex Trebek. But um. My God, where was I going with this? The, the, the original cut of the movie was over three hours long, and the theater houses were losing their collective mind, saying, we cannot show this movie because we would not be able to circulate enough of it, and we would have to take up too many screens, and this and that, and you just it's anarchy to make something that's over two and a half hours long. So, hence why they had to cut out a fair amount of that movie. The, the original um, Weiss's idea was it was a fairly sizable movie um so it, it would you know you always you know you kind of want to see okay what more was there and eventually i think in 57 releases of the movie you you will eventually get all the pieces put together <laughs> and be able to see collectively what the movie was going to be in its original length uh, but yeah it's uh yet uh, time is not an issue on Disney plus and hopefully they, you know, use that to their advantage when they make things going forward, like rescue Rangers. Um, I just, I wasn't a fan of the original concept that was floated six years ago. So I hope they've moved away from do that. Any, do you have, what was their original concept? Do you know? I'm, I'm trying to remember, but it was, it was as Far from the animated series as I I would think deemly possible. Yeah. Do I still have it up in Nina? Um, moved away from it here, but I, I, I had. I I I I worry because my it's it's going to be sort of that live action CGI hybrid, and it's so weird when you do stuff like that. When you like, when you look at like the Chipmunks movie or something like that, that sort of, or like Garfield, you know, you got to be real careful with that because you, if you do Chip and Dale and Gadget and Monterey Jack, and you make them look like they originally looked, they don't really look the way that might. There's something like sort of off-putting about the way. CGI hybrid characters work. It's very rarely, in my opinion, does it look good on film. It, there are, with rare exceptions, I think Stuart Little is one of the few that I'm like, okay, that looks really good. Paddington looked really, you know, looks good on mm. film. Um, but like the chipmunks are flipping scary to look at. Garfield is terrifying to look at. Um, Garfield is the stuff of nightmares as far as, and it's, <laughs> And it's also weird because then you have like Garfield who is like not it doesn't that does not look like a cat that is does not look anything like a cat and then you put him against Odie who's played by a beagle and Odie looks like a beagle but then you've got this weird looking thing that's not a cat you know it's if you're going to yeah. do that to if you're going to do that to Chippendale and and Gadget and Monterey Jack you then have to do that to all of the mice and chipmunks in the movie, or it's going to look weird. And if you're going to do that, and then if you if you're bringing in, if you're doing like Fat Cat and his gang, you've got to do those kind of stylistically too. You you sort of have to 
the universe has to be then in my opinion kind of you know what i'm saying it just it's it it's weird to me (laughs) i get it i get it um and so i'm 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 very when they announce something like this you're like okay cool and then they go cgi hybrid and you go "Mm, boy that's gonna yeah because at one point one of the headlines in a lot of this a lot of these stories have been pulled so i i can't I can't bring them up, but the, one of the headlines was saying that it was going to be scientifically accurate. Um, I think maybe they weren't even going to be talking. Um, it, it, it was just kind of really taking it. It's like, okay, we're using the the base idea and then throwing everything else out. Um, kind of one of those type of scenarios. So... Yeah, I, I hope they stick a little more to the source material. Yeah. Um, and and, and go from there. So, uh, and I'll be very disappointed if they don't get it. I can't re- I can't remember his name, but there's an animator who used to work for Disney, who is the uh, he was the inspiration for Norton Nimnal, and if he doesn't make a cameo in the live action film, I'd be very disappointed. That would be great. I, I I won't hold it to that standard, but that would be great if they could. He's yeah. He's the the, the it's I, I can't remember his name, but um, there's a behind the scenes thing on Rescue Rangers that you can find on YouTube, and they they talk about him and they talk to him, and he literally is just this. He looks exactly like Norton Nimnal, and when they were designing the show, they're like, oh, it should be him. It should be that guy, and and it's very funny to look at. Um. Or it's very funny to see, I should say. Absolutely. Oh, I, I have to look more into that. Um, and we should, since we're now, since we're on the topic, I this was the other thing I wanted to talk to you about. I said there, there was something else on my mind, and I just remembered we should talk about the other thing, which maybe I don't have much to say on this. But there is, on the theme of Rescue Rangers, there is now a new young adult novel featuring Gadget Hat, Gadget Hackwrench as a main character. And it's going to be a series because there's a second one due out at some point. Um, and I can't remember the name of the... Is it Mouse... No, not Mouseworks. What's the name of the... No, that was a, that was a store. Yeah, that um, was... The, the, I, I, yes, you, you sent that to me. Um, it... it it's definitely it a, more young adult. Definitely not aimed for people our age because we both had the same reaction when we read this. I well, I, mind you, I have a I mouse watch. Mouse watch. That's it. I knew I was close. Mouse watch. I have a I have an eleven year old daughter, so she and and a you know six year old son, so they might enjoy it. Um, but I am I I I think that's great that the uh, I like that gadget is finding work. Yes, <laughs> I'm sure her royalties from uh, from Rescue Rangers have dwindled in the sense, you know, in this time and uh, you know, getting back into the the, uh, the swing of things and uh, taking more of a well, kind of a more of a lead role, I mean, kind of the Bosley role. Role. Yeah, yeah. This is the thing that I love, and I'm, I'm just going to tangent for just a second. I many years ago, uh, when my daughter was sort of just the right age, I started introducing her to these things and sort of rediscovering these these shows for myself. 
And one of the things that really struck me watching them now as an adult male with my, you know, then four or five year old daughter um, was how really progressive the Disney afternoon shows were in terms of their female characters that you had um, Gadget, who was an inventor and was the brains and was not necessarily a girly girl who needed to be rescued. And that even a character like Princess Kala or Sunny Gummy could be could be that kind of girly girl, but they also went on the adventures and, and rescued themselves and got themselves, got themselves into trouble and got themselves out of trouble. And that even Webby, a character like Webigail, uh, who was the baby of the group, you know, and there were a lot of episodes where Webby might not be the strongest or the biggest or the fastest, but she's got this huge heart and Webby's it's, it's Webby's kindness that, is what gets them out of trouble. You know, that's a really great lesson to give kids and to give little girls and, and, and kids in general. And, you know, even uh, you get to Tailspin and you've got a character like Rebecca Cunningham, who is a single mom running her own business. I mean, mm -hmm. it, at with that Molly. time, with Molly, I mean, at that time, that's really, really progressive for, for, you know, a kids TV show at that time. And I, I, I and then stepping it one forward again to, to Darkwing with Goslin, um, who was, and I spoke to Tad about this, who was adopted and who was a, who wasn't like the, the, the damsel in distress type of character. She was, um, she was just as much as part of the adventure and just as much as part of the, the thing, and she was just as capable of, if not sometimes even more capable of getting them out of trouble than Darkwing was. Right. And the, the, and what, and I, I spoke to Tad about this, and, and he, you know, one of the things that I complimented about it, he said this was a focus of the writing was the relationship between Drake and Goslin. Yeah. And, you know, that was something that he, he, he did try to focus on. Um, in building that relationship and showing the characters hugging and caring for each other. And yeah, you know, in the, in their, um, dynamic, um, in, in your right, you know, 20, 30 years on from when these shows first debuted, a lot of TV shows are still trying to find a formula to be able to do show female characters or characters in general, in that kind of light. Um, yeah. And I think, and I think the new DuckTales has done a re has done a remarkable job of that, where you have, uh, you know, Webby web, the, the 2017 Webby is a lot more daredevil than her 1987 counterpart that Mrs. Beakley is more involved in involved in the adventures than her 1987 counterpoint mm -hmm. that, um, who was I just thinking of? Who's the other female character on this? Oh, Della. Della Duck. Uh, Della's a great example. Yeah, I mean, what Della's a, what a great a character. What a fantastic character. Uh, and I think you were the one who pointed, who turned to me and said, you know, you, you're seeing this. Della's getting a lot of uh, recognition because she's disabled. Uh, disabled uh, and, and yet she's still involved in these adventures with the others. I mean, again, that that's just very forward thinking of Disney. And, and, and it's, and what's, what I like about that is that, Della being disabled is not, um, it doesn't define the character. It, no. it 
It doesn't. There's not, there, it's never pointed out. It's never, it's just what it is and you accept it. You accept that her, her foot is different. Her leg is different. You, you, you don't, you don't point that out. That's kind of the important thing is that you, you normalize uh, that. Uh, what a, what a great, great thing. What a great, great lesson to give kids in a, in a, in a very unique way, just sort of yeah. make that, that sort of representation. That's so important. And it's so important that we have that. And I'm, and I'm thrilled to see Disney kind of continue bringing that to their television projects. Yeah, I, I think, and if, if I remember, maybe I'm making this up. I think there's even a few points where that e, they even address some of her PTSD from her being stranded on the moon oh, really? and having to go through these things too. Um, and also just the, you know, the emotional lapse of the character of, you know, having to been removed from her kids yeah. for an extended period of time and missing out on all that and trying to figure out how do I make up for everything that I should have been there for and, and by something that happened that wasn't my choice. I, I, I can't get that back, but I, you know, there's that whole conflict. And again, I think they address it so well. Um, and, and Disney and Pixar in, in a lot of their newer animation have been addressing and, these type of things. And let me ask you this, and you, this is not, this is more of a rhetorical question. So it doesn't, it's not a question that needs an answer, but how many uh, of, of DuckTales audience do you think is, is deployed overseas? I, I, uh, like honestly, I said, that's a rhetorical yeah. question. I'm not. I, you don't need to give me real numbers, but that's that's a very real. Think think about what that what that is giving kids whose whose you know father or mother is in Afghanistan and and or somewhere. Dealing, yeah, wherever. Uh, and you're dealing with with you're telling these or have come back from you know uh, mm -hmm. Iraq or Afghanistan or wherever. And are going through the thing, you know, kids who are going through what Huey, Dewey and Louie were going through in season one, kids who are going through, who's who are watching their parents go through what Della is going through, you know, uh, and uh, or watching, you know, their their dads and mothers go through even the other side of that coin, what Scrooge and Donald have gone through, not having that part of their family there and what it's done to the family. That's a that's. Uh, wonderful on disney's on disney's point on disney's uh, part absolutely absolutely um and, and and again not done in a way that's ham-fisted at all you don't you don't have to linger on it but you can you can sort of cover it without without standing on your soapbox it's it's organic yeah it's yeah. done in a very organic sense it's there without being like shoved in your face there yeah yeah and it's hard to it's hard to do that. It's hard to do that kind of television and not make it, you know, this week on a very special episode of Blossom. Um, <laughs> on a very heartfelt episode. Get yeah, your yeah. Tissue hard, boxes ready. To to make it an after, you know, it's you're not making an after school special out of it. You're making you still gotta at the same time you still gotta entertain your audience and and yet still represent and and tell it. So it's 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 a really. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, Very there's the occasional point. part where I think Della unscrews her leg and beats someone with senseless with it. Um, but yes, 
Yeah, it, it's my my son's obsessed with How to Train Your Dragon right now, and Hiccup does similar things. A couple they've done a couple of <laughs> there are a couple of really sick Hiccup without his leg jokes. <laughs> oh jeez, dude, that is not right. He, oh, so he's further in the series now. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. He's he's. <sighs> Yeah, I think at the third movie, Hiccup is takes removes his his uh, spare leg, and they're playing fetch with it. Yes, um, yes, I believe that is correct. Yeah. Uh, sorry, we were talking about stuff. Uh, we were talking. We just talked about Mouse Mouse, not Mouse Works. What's this called? Mouse Watch. And there is a sequel book on its way. I don't know when. I read that the other day. But the first one, Mouse Watch. Uh, just came out by J.J. Gilbert. Um, and there's a there's a segment, and Gadget is sort of a she's not the I should point out she's not the main character in this, but she's kind of the the sort of monkey penny, money penny kind of role. It's it's sort of a cross between money penny and Q. Yeah, she sort of runs this organization of of. It's basically gadgets running the rescuers now, which is which is kind of what Rescue Rangers was going to be originally. It was going to be, it was going to be Rescuers the TV series, but then Disney was doing a Rescuers sequel, and they said no, no, you can't do that, and uh, and we got this wonderful series with Chip and Dale instead, which is fine. Well, yeah, because yeah, because they couldn't use any. Of the main characters, main characters. And said, well, can we use these ones? Because they they already came up with the the designs of these characters, the Magnum PI character that eventually became uh, Dale's, and then you know this um, swashbuckling, yeah. uh, not swashbuckling, adventurer type of Indiana Jones type of character that eventually got morphed Kit, into Chip. Well, I, the Kit, name Kit Chatterton or something like that. Yeah, the name blanks me. And yeah, uh, some pun name. Yeah, they, uh, but. Uh, go back to episode 100. You you'll find out the name there. Uh, and uh, but yeah, um, so they they go granted these characters because they weren't the the main characters at that point. And then oh look what we could do with characters. And then hence bringing Goofy and everybody else. But uh, yeah, so that's um, that's how that came about. Um, yeah, it, it's like I said. I think she's more. I guess more akin to Bosley from Charlie's Angels. Yeah. Yeah. Or well, um, or Money Penny, and she's sort of a combination of Money Penny and Q from James Bond. Yeah, to sort of bring uh, us back to the original conversation for the night. And uh, yeah, so that's uh, that should be an interesting series, and I I really hope it does well. Let me let's finish up. Um, yeah, with some Mandalorian talk. Oh, did you uh, so Mandalorian or the other one that I had? Because finish up with Mandalorian. That's that's on the high notes. Okay. That's fine, because the other one really is weird. We'll discuss that one another time. Yeah. Uh, let's get yeah, some more on. information on that one. But the, um, uh, yes, yeah, so episode three of season two just came out. Yay. And uh, what was your take on that? Because now we're really switching, um, finding the, the direction of this season, I, I want to say, uh, in this one. I think this week was kind of like that one thing that I think a lot of Mandalorian fans have been waiting for. Or maybe not, I shouldn't say Mandalorian fans. Let me fine-tune that a little. What Dave Filoni fans have been waiting for. Anybody who's watched Clone Wars, everybody who's watched Rebels, we've been given these little snippets and these little teases 
these little bits of that that Clone Wars world, that li- those little bits of you know, there's a oh, loft cat in one there's, episode. There's Chopper in the in this. If you pause the frame just here and you look, there's there's Chopper and then oh, here's the ghost. The ghost, ghost is. And and you know you always want to see that go that little bit further and to have Bo Katan appear and be there and it's actually the same actress who voiced her in both the anim- and both of the animated shows in both Clone Wars and Rebels and she's playing this character and suddenly Rebels and Clone Wars are a little bit more that world I mean it's the same world but but that those characters are suddenly that just that little linked real yeah and uh and, and well and the 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 weird little spiders from of all the things for them to bring in like come on i've been i've been i you could have put i i love i get excited about seeing chopper in the ghost in rogue one i get excited about seeing bo katan i got excited about seeing the loath cat you give me anything from the animated shows and i'm like yeah they're like we're gonna give you the most nightmarish thing that's ever come out of those shows giant white spiders that crawl all over and like and we're going to do that for about 15 minutes a show it's going to be the whole thing why would you do that to me um sorry i, mean, I, I watched t- that thing late at night too I, that yeah. wasn't good. no i watched it i watched it midday i watched it about three o'clock in the afternoon so it was not just before bedtime but even then it was a little i was a little heebie-jeebie for a while but th- but they made up for it this week by giving us not only giving us Bo-Katan, but she name drops. Spoiler alert: she name drops Ahsoka Tano, and you know we're zeroing in on on the arrival of Ahsoka in Mandalorian, which is I think you know so I know it's such a popular character. So yeah. many people have been waiting for this. So many people have been looking forward to this. Um, I've been watching the shows and last because I knew Bo-Katan was going to be popping up this week I, I went in and i grabbed my daughter who had not seen any of the show and i'm like come watch mandalorian with me um and i just kind of like brought her up to speed on what was going on in the show we watched it and bo-katan came up and i went you know the character is just like oh yeah 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 i know who that's from from clone wars right and then they sort of name dropped ahsoka and i'm like the show ended i turned to my daughter I'm like we're watching this again next week <laughs> i'll come find you before we before i watch this all right because my daughter's a huge Ahsoka fan. It's it's her favorite character. So it's like, you just I just can't wait. How could you not? I mean that that character, uh, just you you watch her grow up in Clone Wars, and then you know even more, and then the, you get some more of her in in Rebels. Rebels. It's it just the character again just just done so well, um, and it, it, you you know whenever I I heard the rumors of this possibly happening in for season two. I just I just got all excited. Um, it was a character that I don't know as much as many people do, but what I do know, I really like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, I I just I really enjoy it's, that character. It's a character that grows on you because when you see her, the when she's first introduced in in Clone Wars, she really is this like irritating sort of eleven year old, almost not really bratty, but but. You know, she's sort of trying to be cool, or she questions everything, and she's she's just like, why is this like, why is this kid in my Star Wars, in my Clone Wars show? Like, no, no, no. Um, but over the course of however many episodes, her character really grows and develops and arcs, and and you see that character, like you said, you see her grow up, and then when you get to Rebels, and she actually is now a grown up, 
and she's at peace with a lot of things and she's calmer and she's more centered and more focused. And she's now in that kind of Obi-Wan role. Um, it, it's just a wonderful arc to have to, to give that character. And now to see her even beyond that, grow beyond that, um, uh, it's it's one uh, it's it's very exciting. It's very exciting. Yeah, I, they're hinting at like it will be next week, but I don't know if it'll be next week or the following week because you you never you know, they may drag this out. But you, you never you know. know. I yeah. will tell you, I read this somewhere that Dave Filoni is supposedly the director on episode five. Um, so if you were gonna do an Ahsoka heavy episode. That's the one I'd probably put my money on, or you know, we might we might see her this week, but I think anything they do with her might be the following week. Is she might show up like at the end of the episode, maybe. A la um, the Force Awakens. Yeah, nothing, nothing in the Mandalorian is a a straight path. So no, like I keep on saying, this frog lady, there, there's more to her. Um, for some reason, I feel like that that this character. Is yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the way that they present her. I think I think we'll see the guy from I think we'll see the Timothy Oliphant character again too. Yeah, because that seems to be that seems this is the way. Um, the you know it's like let's let's uh, well I, let's establish this character. Let's establish this character. Let's establish this character. And then at the end of the season, it's like Avengers assemble. Let's bring in all the guys who we've established and. Uh, you know, like season one, I thought that was a great to to suddenly see IG eleven and and he's now this almost completely different character. It's uh, the same you know, character, but it's not. Yeah, but it's not. You know, I, I was like, oh, this is wonderful. You know, you're like, oh, like he was kind of a cool character. Oh, he's no, he's gone. You know, and then and then to see him come back and and be the character that he ends up being at the end of that season, and then doing what he he did, and just you're like, no. Yeah. Spoiler alert for anybody who's listening to us and I didn't say what happened. It could be guessed. <laughs> but even it, I liked even seeing uh the 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 droid from the 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 heist episode. It shows up what well, last week or two weeks ago when he's with she's with the frog and she's like I, the frog lady and she's like I have you know, she's rewired it so that she could speak through the yes. droid to the Mandalorian. Yes. I yes. thought that was a great yes. payoff. And, and again, like this is kind of a fun character, and he ha- he meets with the fate that he meets with, and then just just sort of see that character come up again. Like, oh, what a neat use of that character. That uh, you know. So yeah, I think we'll see Timothy Oliphant's character again, the the sort of sheriff character again. Absolutely. Uh, I certainly hope we'll see both. Well. We got to see Bo-Katan again because we know the the dark saber is such a part of things. The show is called The Mandalorian, and I don't. Well, it's about a Mandalorian. There are probably going to be other Mandalorians in the show. Um, who the Frog Lady? You think we're going to see again? Certainly. Um, and and with any luck, we're going to see. So and then it's also been teased we're going to see Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. And there are rumors we may see two other... I don't want to say anything because I might be wrong about this, but there are rumors that we might see a couple other friends from Star Wars Rebels. Yeah, from Clone Wars Rebels. Yeah, I, I've heard that rumor too. Um, and I won't mention who, but yeah. They, come along for the ride. 
Yeah, um, which would make sense with the characters that they brought in. That, that it's that whole circle kind of there. Which so, like I said, well, that would. The last time, the last time we saw Ahsoka, she had a very, she had a very clear agenda of what she was heading towards next. So, and there was who she was with. So one would almost kind of hope that that gets played out in some degree. We see. You know, we see uh, where her and her friend have gone. Yep. And, uh, and then she has another close friend from the Clone Wars and Rebels. Alas, I've said too much, but if you've paid any attention to... If you paid any attention to some casting decisions, there's a there's an actor who's fit for a certain role indeed. that we may see. Indeed, indeed. Who, who, so. who has already been in an episode of, of Mandalorian and is supposed to be in more... And uh, yeah, I think I think I I almost I'm almost positive we're gonna see him again. Yeah, absolutely. So, on that, thank you so much for coming on. Thank and, you for uh, having me. This was fun. Always, always a pleasure. And uh, we will do this again sometime soon, sooner right. than it has been. Thank you again to Matt Leonard for stopping by. As always great conversations with them great conversations you too we want you in the conversation join the conversation on facebook facebook.com slash disney marvels podcast or our facebook group facebook.com slash group slash disney marvels podcast find us also on instagram disney marvels podcast or on twitter at disney marvels you can also email the show with any answers or suggestions that you have for the show, suggestions of topics, suggestions of things that we do on the show, how to change the show up, how we may improve the show. Send that to DisneyMarvels at gmail.com. We're always listening. You can also leave a voice message, speaking of listening, through the Anchor app, website, or through your smart device to the email address just mentioned before. Links to everything is in the show notes. I also want to thank you you, the listener, you right there on the other side of this of the speaker here for me. I want to thank you for your time. I know how little time we all have these days and how crazy everything is. And the fact that you're spending some of that time with me means a lot. I, I really, I couldn't do this show without you. I seriously mean that. I really mean that. And, you know, I, I, I like spending this time that we have together. Though we may not have met yet, I, I enjoy it. I really do enjoy it. And I just ask if you can leave a rating so this way more people can discover the show. Because the bigger the Disney family, the better. That Walt believed in that, I believe in that. Uh, go to iTunes, leave a rating. We have all five-star reviews right now, which I, I, I'm truly blessed to be able to say that. Um, please, do your part. Leave us a review on there. You could just go on, leave us five stars, whatever you feel or feels appropriate. I'd, I'd love it if it was five stars. If you also want to leave a written review, you can do that too. And hey, I may read it on the show too. But uh, if anything, you just go on, leave the stars. And while you're at it, also consider becoming a subscriber. Subscribe to the show. This way you always know when I post new episodes. Or while you're at it, consider also becoming a premium subscriber to the show. You can do this over at anchor.fm slash disneymarvel slash support. Or you can find our Patreon page, which the link is in the show notes, where you can get some cool Disney stuff and help the show out. Keep the lights on, help us get stuff to, to do reviews and, and whatnot. 
paper, whatever you're facing out there, no matter how difficult, how impossible things may seem right now. And my goodness, things, you know, just keep coming at us. Don't give up. We're strong. We can all get through this. And you can get through this. You're not alone. And there is a light within you that you need to grab a hold of and let it shine because that light will guide you. Let it fill the, the dark, cold voids with warmth and love and light. And that's what's going to get you through. Don't worry about what other people say. Don't worry what other people are thinking. It's not important. The important part is you. You are what, what matters. And you too can get through this. Be your own hero. Never give up. Never give in. And I want to end this week's show with a quote from Walt Disney himself. In this volatile business of ours, we can ill afford to rest on our laurels, even to pause in retrospect. Time and conditions change so rapidly that we must keep our aim constantly focused on the future. Again, that's from Walt Disney. Thank you again, everyone, for listening, and I'll see you next time.